Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Today, the title of our message is going to be Pressing In. Why pressing in? Because, you know, sometimes we just need to keep going a little bit. Today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. And in Mark chapter 5, there are some very familiar Bible stories, some very familiar accounts of Jesus healing people. Well, we're specifically going to focus on this woman and uh, who, who had this problem for so many years. We'll get to that in just a moment. I'm not going to have time to develop all of the things we could learn from Mark chapter 5. But let me just throw this in there real quick, okay? Uh, the Bible says that when Jesus came back to the city of Capernaum, he was in a boat, he got out of a boat, and a man named Jairus met Jesus. This was a ruler of the synagogue. Now, the synagogue was the, you know, basic seat of local government. There was a Roman government over everything, but also there was a Jewish government over everything. And the Jewish government had in many ways more authority and more power over the everyday lives of those who lived uh, in in. Capernaum in these different cities, okay, uh, in, in, in Jerusalem, because they were involved in not only in just pay taxes, okay, you know, the, the Jewish form of government was involved in what you ate, you know, and how you treated your neighbor, and what you did for a living. They were involved in every aspect of your life. And so they had a lot more authority. And here Jairus, being you know, a ruler of the synagogue, was a very high-ranking official there in Capernaum and in that whole region. And he found it necessary in his life because his little girl was sick. He went and sought Jesus. He went and said, Jesus, my, my, my daughter's laying at home sick. If you come and tell Jesus said, okay, fine. So he was on his way to the ruler of the synagogue's house. Now, for those of you who have been with me to Capernaum, you know that that's only about 75 yards. It's not that far from the place where the boats docked at Capernaum to the synagogue and the ruler's house would have fastened hard to the synagogue. And so it was only about 75, maybe 80 yards at most. And so it's not a far distance and there's a big crowd around him. And so as Jesus starts off, this woman comes and she presses into the crowd. And there were so many people pushing in on Jesus, so many people touching him, so many people trying to help him along. And, uh, you know, this ruler was very important, and Jesus was very famous. And so all of these friends and followers of both groups were there. It was, you know, a, you know, a, a crowd perhaps of, uh, you know, uh, hundreds. Uh, there's not room for thousands right there, okay? But perhaps hundreds on that little area there. And so uh, we'll get to this woman again in a moment. But after Jesus 
has finished interacting with this little woman that we're going to talk about, he starts back. He hadn't forgotten. It was a little interruption, you know. Uh, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus is never late, but he is seldom early, okay? <laughs> and sometimes it seems to us like he's a little late. It seemed to Mary and Martha like he was three days late. But Jesus purposely and intentionally waited, okay? He waited until there were, you know, all other options were over. And then he showed up and raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, the same thing with Jairus. Can you imagine Jairus here has gone and, uh, you know, uh, humbled himself. I mean, he's, he's the ruler of a synagogue. And here's a man that people are saying is Messiah. And Jesus was not the most popular. He was famous. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of poor people followed Jesus, but not a lot of rich, wealthy, educated people followed him. It just wasn't the end thing to do. Okay? Uh, and Jesus would later speak to that but Jairus is important he's gone you know out of his way to to ask Jesus for help he's run out of options Jesus is on his way and then Jesus stops and he's could have seemed to Jairus wasting time my little girl is sick my little girl is at the point of death come and help me come and help me come and help me and they're on their way, and he stops. And he starts interacting with someone else. When Jesus finishes dealing with this issue at hand, he turns and starts to go on with Jairus. But someone comes running from Jairus' house. And they say to Jairus, Your little girl has died. There's no reason bothering the teacher anymore. And so Jairus, you can imagine what he would have felt. There's, there's no, I mean, how disappointed would you be? Jesus, if you hadn't have stopped, if you'd have been, that's what Mary and Martha said, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you'd have been paying attention, if you'd have come when we called you, if you'd have, we would not be here. This would not have happened. And so... Jairus, realizing his little girl is dead, he just, you know, what hope do you have? But Jesus was also listening. Verse 36 in chapter 5, and I'll just offer this to you for some thought at some other point. You'll have to develop this, okay, because it's not my message today. This is just free. It's just something I, I couldn't leave out. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, that the little girl was dead, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid. Let me tell you, if you get nothing else from today, let me tell you, that God does not want you to be afraid because some time has passed or because something that you were trying to avoid looks like, you know, is unavoidable. Or because of something that you feared looks as though that it's on your front doorstep. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus is never late, but he only shows up in his time. He shows up in his time and not our time. 
the things that we hope for, the things that we trust in, the things that we believe, the things that we want, the things that we desire. Let me tell you, if those things have been placed in your heart by Almighty God, and if they are a part of the promise, a part of what Christ died on the cross of Calvary to give us, if it is a part of the promise of God, then you will not go without Him intervening. And what you may think is too late, and what you may fear can never be changed. He can yet change. He can not only make it, you know, like it was better than it was. When he touches something, it's better than new. Realize it's never too late with Jesus. Now, back to the message today, okay? Only believe, he said. <laughs> you know, Jesus also told another man at one point, just believe. And the man said, well, I, I would if I could, but I'm having a little trouble with this. Uh, you know, uh, could you help my unbelief? And then when Jesus moved and, and accomplished what the man believed was impossible, all of a sudden the man's faith soared. Of course, um, a lot of us have after-the-fact faith. Do you know who's going to win the Super Bowl today? I'll tell you right. I'm, I'll tell you for sure who's going to win the Super Bowl. Okay? I, am, I mean, I will be 100% accurate. I'll tell you in the morning. You see, Jesus sees things before we do. We know things after we see them. And that's where he encourages us to trust him, to trust what he sees. That's faith. It doesn't mean that you even have to see it. It means that we trust what he sees. We trust what he said. Okay? Faith is our evidence. It is our title deed, Hebrews 11 says. Okay, back to our, if I can get back to this, back to our account, okay? You remember I told you that Jesus was on his way with Jairus and this group, and as they were walking across this, this, this little open place on their way into basically the back door of the city. Okay, the side door is what it is. There's a little gate that goes in the side point. You know, there, there's one gate that comes off the road uh, that goes around the Sea of Galilee, and there's one gate that comes in the side from the place where the boat docks. And as Jesus was on his way there with Jairus, responding to his uh, desire, come and heal my daughter. Okay, let's go. He's on his way. The Bible says that there was a certain woman. This little woman had an issue of blood, and she had been to many physicians, the Bible said, and she had spent all of her living. She had spent all the money she had, and she was no better, but yet, the Bible says, she rather grew worse. Okay, you get the picture. Uh, and, and this is this is bad. You know, it 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 is it is. She has suffered. The Bible says she has been suffering. She's been suffering many things and going through many processes and going through many, uh, you know, uh, diagnosis and going through many uh, regimens and remedies and therapies. And, and uh, there, there's no telling, but it, the Bible just says many things. And on top of that, it had cost her everything that she had and she was only worse than before. 
verse 27 of Mark 5. When she heard of Jesus, this woman came in the press, came in the crowd behind. It was evidently a very tight crowd, a very, you know, a, a very close and tight, and it was a, it was it was it was a press. And she touched the garment of Jesus. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, she heard of Jesus. It's very important that we tell other people about Jesus because some people, when they hear, not everyone, but some people, when they hear, will put themselves in the place to say, perhaps that can happen to me too. She had heard that Jesus had been healing sickness and disease, and she imagined, and, 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 and in fact, many people would later just, just press in again to touch the hem of his garment. And later we would read that everyone later in, in, in a certain group that did what she did, they must have heard what she did. They were healed also. Here, she comes in this press. Now, realize that in this particular day, it was against the law for her to be there. She certainly would have been arrested or beaten or pushed away or sent home or incarcerated or perhaps even stoned to death, executed for having you know, a, 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 an unclean sickness and to have been in a crowd of people. It's worse than today going into a crowd of people in New York coughing and hacking without a mask. Okay, reckon what would happen to you if you went coughing and hacking and, and uh, you know, and touching people in a, in a, in a big crowd. You know, uh, first of all, they'd take off screaming and running, but uh, they would only run so far as to get something to come back and running at you. This was worse than that. This was something that was spiritually taboo, that was against the law of God to come into public as people understood in their tradition and their customs that this was wrong. And nonetheless, she pressed in. Straightway, as she touched the, the hem of Jesus' garment, the Bible says immediately the fountain of blood was dried up. And, and she knew, she knew it immediately that, that, that she had been healed in her body. She knew it. Verse 30, the Bible says, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. Now, Jesus also immediately knew that virtue had gone out of him. He turned himself about in that crowd of people, and he said, Who touched my clothes? I mean, his disciples said, Teacher, Master, Jesus, you see the multitude pressing in and pushing all around you and thronging around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And, and he looked around. Jesus just wouldn't give it up. He looked around to see who it was that touched him. And, 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 and the woman, uh, knowing what was done in her body and, 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 and fearing and trembling, of, of course you would, knowing that you are immediate, that, that God did, I mean, boom, God did something miraculous. Feared and trembled and came and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. And she told him all the truth. And verse 34, Jesus said to her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, 
as I said, this woman heard about Jesus. And she used the faith that what she heard stirred up in her. What she heard about Jesus, it stirred faith in her. That's, that's what the Word of God does. Jesus is the Word. When she heard about the Word, when she heard the Word, when she heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Faith does something that gives us a strength to do things that we would not have done otherwise. And, and faith comes whenever we hear the Word. Okay? One touch was all it took. One touch of the Master and her greatest needs were met. Her biggest problems were solved. Pain, discomfort. Can you imagine? Embarrassment. Can you imagine? I mean, it wasn't just a physical healing. Can you imagine how embarrassed this woman had been for years? Can you imagine uh, you know, her isolation, her loneliness? Can you imagine her fear, the threat of being arrested or being found out or, or, or being you know, an outcast? Can you imagine how she felt? Uh, can you imagine about her finances? She could have been worried about her finances, her future. How in the world am I going to survive? I've spent everything I have and I've only gotten worse. Can you imagine all of the problems that come with, 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 the, with the ill health that comes with uh, uh, you know, anemia? Can you imagine all of the things this woman was facing? All of the problems that she had, more than you could name. Most likely if you sat down with her and asked her to tell me everything you know, that, 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 that's happening, that's bad, as a result of the situation you found yourself in, I bet you could spend a whole day and she could continue to tell you of the things that happened to her, of the things that, that she feared, of the things she was worried about, concerned about, of those other people that she was concerned about. I imagine she could tell you so many things. And yet, one touch of Jesus, she knew it changed her life drastically. It changed her life immediately. The Greek word translated virtue here in the King James Version is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. It means, you know, basically miracle working ability, strength, might, force. It means to stand up and, you know, you know knock down. Okay. Miracle working ability. Uh, you know, uh, uh, this morning we're going to discuss this ability that Jesus has. This virtue that he felt flow out of him. Okay? In fact, this morning I want to share with you seven virtues that flow from Christ when we touch him. Seven Virtues, seven abilities, seven power, the seven virtues of Christ. Of course, the, the first virtue we know that flows out of Jesus when you touch him by faith is salvation. That is a virtue, that's a power, that is an ability, that's a miracle, that's a miracle working ability. You know, we should not ever think that salvation, because it is free, because it's easy to obtain, because Christ paid for it, and because all we have to do is ask for it, we should never imagine that it is not a miracle. It is a miracle for some person to recognize they need a Savior, and then to offer their lives to Christ and ask Jesus to come in and save their soul. When a person gets saved, it's a miracle. It's a virtue that flows from Christ. For only the blood of Christ can save, and only faith in Christ can save. 
Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. It's a virtue that flows from him. It's a power that flows from him. Money cannot save you. Being good cannot save you. You know, uh, being baptized cannot save you. You know, uh, uh, doing good works cannot save you. Only Jesus. It's a virtue that flows from him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. By grace you are saved. It's just from the goodness of God. Do you know when that little woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment, you know, it was not in the moment of some revival where she had been coaxed or encouraged you know, to come down to an altar and try this. You know, she hadn't sent, you know, $50 to some televangelist in the mail. You know, getting a, getting, getting a cloth back or some oil, okay, or some holy water. Hello. Come on now, go with me on this, okay? Go with me here. You know what she did? She took responsibility for herself. When she heard, she realized, I need to do something about what I've heard about this one who can save me, who can heal me, who can make me whole. And she came about in the press, and she touched him of the garment. And there's really, as Jesus has, 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 has uh, laid it out here, there's really no indication that he was even paying attention. Even though he's God and knows everything, there's no indication that he was even aware that somebody there was about to make a withdrawal of the virtue that was in him. You see, he had it in him, and faith drew it out. It wasn't Jesus throwing healing out. It was her drawing healing out. That's why he said to her, listen, lady, it's your faith. It wasn't my faith that I could heal you. It wasn't, you know, it was nobody else. It was your faith that you reached in and you touched and you made a withdrawal of the virtue of Christ. Salvation is a virtue that flows from Christ. Also, number two, restoration is a virtue that flows from Christ. Not only did this little woman get healed, but do you know that she left there restored? There were divisions in her relationships that she could not manage how do we know that because of the jewish law there were divisions you know she was not allowed at thanksgiving dinner <laughs> why because of the law she was not allowed in public to go out shopping and if she went out she had to cry unclean 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 can you imagine that? Restoration. Restoration comes from Christ. If there are things in your life today that you need restored, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, in relationships, circumstances, situations, and you need him to restore it, let me tell you in Psalms 23, verse 3, the Bible says, He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Restoration is a virtue. Today, 
As you're hearing about Jesus, you have heard that he will save. You have heard that you can draw from him. You can call upon him and by faith you can receive salvation. Today you can also receive restoration. Restoration. He can restore your soul. He can rebuild the places that life has hurt you. That the, the places that, that, that tragedy and trauma and disappointment have brought you down to. He can restore you today. It's not just that he wants to save your soul. It's not just that he wants to save you from an eternity in hell. Jesus wants to save you from the hell that this life has brought you. He wants to restore your soul so that you once again come to the house of the Lord with joy. That you wake up in the morning with hope that today is going to be a great day, a wonderful day. That the sun is going to be shining above every cloud. That you are going to be okay that good things are going to happen to you. He wants to restore your mind. He wants to restore your health. He wants to restore your joy. He wants to restore your relationships. He wants to restore you. And restoration is a virtue that comes from Christ. Now let's get to number three, Revelation. I love Revelation. You know what Revelation does? Revelation tells you something. It's like a light turning on the inside of you. When you hear something, whenever you think something, and all of a sudden a light turns on and you see truth, it's Revelation. It's not something that you studied for. It's not something that somebody else told you. It's not something that, that you know, it, 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 no one else can convince you of it. Boom, it happened to me. Okay? It's like being, you know, in a crowd of people, but you're the one that, you know, put your hand on that electrical wire. <laughs> you're the only one that feels it Woo! yeah you ever done that that's revelation ah, yeah yeah <laughs> revelation i need to move my hand <laughs> and it comes to you suddenly like a light turning on that's a virtue this is what happens in the minds and the hearts of people who hear about jesus and let it get beyond their head and into their heart you can tell whenever you are witnessing to someone when you're sharing something to someone and all of a sudden they go oh yeah they feel it yes it's a personal revelation and all of a sudden they know something they did not know that's what happened to me. I knew that Jesus was real. I was standing in the Baptist church on the back row as a little boy, 12 years old, holding on to the back of that seat when Tom Cowgill, the pastor of the church in Sims, Texas, First Baptist Church, was preaching. And when he got to his altar call, it was nothing special for me. I had I'd been there. I was with a couple of friends. I came to church because Glenn McDonald, Glenn, if you're out there, I love you, buddy. Glenn McDonald was still chewing tobacco from his daddy, and we'd get to go to church. And after church, we'd get to chew tobacco. I liked it. And because David Mears, his granddaddy owned a big old mule. And we could go out behind the church because his granddaddy lived out there across the road. And we'd get to ride that big old mule. That was fun. So at 12 years old, I took off one more Sunday morning by myself up that dirt road. And I went all the way up that dirt road to the highway. And I went down the highway about a mile. And I went across the highway and went into that Baptist church. I went there and first I sat and listened to a man named Lenoy Johnson uh, read from a quarterly. Bless his heart, a great Sunday school teacher for three little knothead boys. 
12 years old, I went into that church, and I was just waiting for church to be over. I wanted some tobacco. I wanted to ride a mule. You never know what brings somebody to church. Boy, I can't tell you what he preached. I don't know. It didn't make that, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, okay? I was waiting on it to be over. Boy, I stood up at the altar call, just stood up there like everybody else, and all of a sudden, I had a revelation. I had a revelation as a little 12-year-old boy taking my baths in, in a number three wash tub because we didn't have running water, still going to an outhouse, holding on to the back of that seat. I had a revelation. Nobody told me. I didn't, I, I didn't hear it. Oh, I'd heard it, no telling how many times, but I hadn't ever heard it. Holding on to the back of that seat, I had a revelation that Jesus Christ was real and that he was calling me and he was wanting to save my soul and he was wanting me to go down forward in that church. Go down to that, go down to the front. Go to, and I, I felt, oh, I felt, the, I, I just felt it just pulling at me like this. And I, I held on. You know, I've I, I, I wanted to go back and see if there's any scratches there. I really have. But I held on. And I didn't go. And when Tom Calgill said, amen, I took off. I didn't wait for no tobacco. I didn't wait for no mule. I took off out that front door. Didn't tell my friends where I was going. I ran back down that highway. I ran all the way down that dirt road all the way to the first house down that dirt road was my house way down that dirt road and I saw my mama out under a pear tree and uh, out by the well and I was running down that road and I ran up the, through the ditch and across our little truck patch and 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 ran up to that to that woman sweet little woman underneath that pear tree and she I was huffing and puffing and she said what is it son what is it I said mama what happens to you when you go down in front of a church I didn't know. She said, you've been wanting to go down in front of the church? I said, yeah. Yeah, I have. Right there, she told me about a Jesus that loved me and had a plan for my life. And right there, I prayed and asked Jesus to become my Lord and Savior. I went back to church that night, <laughs> and my mama was with me. I sat on the second row. I still can't tell you what he preached, but as soon as he opened up the altar call, I jumped out and ran down there. And, you know, whew, I had a revelation. That comes from Christ. The goodness of Jesus Christ on men and women, boys and girls. When we least expect it, when we don't deserve it, when we didn't do nothing for it, yet Almighty God has the power to turn the light on in your life. It, whoo, let me tell you. Thank God for the power of revelation. And since then, I have learned so many things by that spirit of revelation. Oh, it's most likely something that everybody else around me knew, but I didn't. Things about him that so excite me because they come to me and they become real to me. You know, even though people have known it for 2,000 years and know a whole lot more. Anytime some, you know, some revelation comes to me, it's like touching that electricity. Oh, yeah, you will. Oh, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah, you do. 
Woo! And woo, it's all woo, yeah. <laughs> Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. You can read that. It's a, it's a, a good virtue. Okay? The next virtue is healing. I believe in healing. I believe in, I, I, I believe in the power of God, the virtue of God to heal. Okay? And to keep healthy. I also believe in dying, by the way. Okay? There's a time for everything. I believe in death. Yeah, one day I'm going to die. I believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but you know what's going to happen at that moment? I'm going to get eternally healed. <laughs> that, that, that kind of stuff is just nothing I want to argue over. I got no problems with it. It doesn't take away from my faith. If anything, it adds more faith to me <laughs> that I get to win, whatever. Isn't that great? 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Past tense, were healed 2,000 years ago. Praise the name of the Lord. Another virtue that comes from Jesus is provision. Provision. Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Provision. Jesus provides. If you are in need today, let me tell you, there is a virtue in Christ of provision. He has made a promise to us to provide for us. What is it that you need? You see, the fields will not yield their harvest without Jesus like they will with him. Provision. Cattle will not give their milk without Jesus like they will with him and he cares about your cattle he cares about the trees and their fruit provision is a gift of God God blesses the just and the unjust by the way okay he reigns on the just and the unjust that's how good he is he provides food for the birds he provides food for you provision it's a virtue and when you need more, reach out to God by faith. And that's where you can find more. He will tell you what to do. He will make a way for you without respect to where you are or what's going on in your life. Reach out to God for the provision that you need. Have faith in Him. And if He has to feed you with ravens, He will. Number six. One of the virtues that I found in Christ is a virtue called empowerment. What in the world am I talking about? I'm talking about what Luke 10 verse 19 says. Behold, Jesus said, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Empowerment. You see, not only does Jesus have virtue and power, but he's willing to share that virtue with you. Not just give you, you know, what you need, but give you a source living on the inside of you. A source 
the Holy Spirit. He is willing to empower you with the power, with the virtue that he also has. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power. Guess what that word power is? It's the Greek word dunamis. The same Greek word that Jesus felt virtue go out of him. He felt power go out of him. He felt virtue go out of him. He says, you shall receive that same virtue, that same power. After that you have received, when, when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in all Jerusalem, Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and the most parts of the world. You will receive power. He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and even greater than these shall you do, because I'm going to my Father, and I'm going to empower you. That is what God's hope is. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. All the promises of God in Christ are yea and amen, and Christ is in us. So all the promises of God are in us. And God Almighty has trusted us with his Holy Spirit. Empowerment. The last virtue that we'll talk about today is a virtue that I am looking very forward to. It's a virtue of regeneration. Regeneration. There is a period called regeneration. I am so looking forward to the time whenever this mortal body takes on an immortal ability. This corruption puts on incorruption. This mortal puts on immortality. I do not believe that life ends at death. I believe life begins at what we look at as death. In fact, I would submit to you that those people who know Christ, who maybe their bodies are buried in a cemetery or their ashes are in an urn, I would submit to you that they are more alive than you are. This is death. We are dead. They have been swallowed up of life. That's real life. Uh, it's not that, as the Word of God says, that we need to hasten ourselves in a hurry to get there. But our time is such a... Um, deceptive thing in that Christ sees us already raised and seated with him. The hope that is in us is God's hope that we would, uh, like Pastor Mike Dacey, he said, he said that when he got saved, he, I won't get this exactly right, sorry, uh, uh, Mike, but he saw people drowning. He saw a ship on fire, people drowning. I may have really messed it up. Uh, and what the Lord said to him is, I want you to rescue as many people as you can. Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to rescue as many people as you can. And that's what he's still busy about today. That's his goal, is just to rescue as many people as possible. You see, one day we will go through a regeneration. You know, 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Matthew 19 says that, that uh, you know, uh, Jesus was saying that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits upon his throne, you'll be there. You'll be there in the regeneration. Until the time that Jesus takes us home, we must continue to rescue souls. But one day, one day, it's our soul that will be changed as we're lifted up into glory. And we will become a part of the generation that's been regenerated. The regeneration. I'm very excited today to know that Jesus has the power to save your soul, the power to restore you, the power to heal you and make you whole, the power to provide for you what you need. He even has the power to give you the power to help others and also the power to make you immortal. Immortality. That's who we are. Today, I want to encourage you to remember that Jesus is never late. He doesn't get here early, but he's never late. He's always on time, but it's his time. Amen. There's a virtue in Christ that you can reach out to him for. If you need saved, if you need healing, if you need restoration, if you need revelation, if you, if you are in the place where that man was who said, Jesus, I believe, but I need a little help. Would you help my unbelief? If you're in a place to where you need revelation in order to have faith that he can do for you what you desperately need, then call upon him for that revelation. And I pray that he visits you in your nighttime with dreams and visions or that when you're just driving down the road, having the radio on, listening to, to, to something unrelated, that you would get shocked into a reality of the revelation of the truth that you need to trust Him. You can trust Him. He's never late. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.